Hey, Job. Hey, again. How's how's it doing? Ooh, it's all right, man. We're doing okay. You watched Evil Dead Two yesterday. It was a good time. Yeah, enjoyed that's a good myself. Movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. We watched Evil Dead One last week. And, yeah, uh, I, I think generally we have a lot of praise for both movies. They deserve it. They're oh, yeah, great. They're, they're fantastic. Um, but I wanted to address something that uh, I stumbled upon after recording last week. So something I said last week, <laughs> which ends up not being the case at all, is um, I, I praised Sam Raimi for not altering his film in any way because, like... I had heard that uh, he regretted the the tree rape scene, uh, as anyone should. Uh, (laughs) Everyone should, if they had a part in that, regret it. Right. But he decided not to change that because it was, like, part of the movie and, you know. uh, So I kind of praised him for not, you know, know, even though it was something he didn't like, not George Lucasing uh, his movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and it turns out that he totally fucking did George Lucas's movie. So I wasn't aware of any of these little alterations. Yeah, I mean, and and none of them are like a huge deal. None of them are humongous and apparent. They're not like the Han shooting first and all that crap that's been altered like I want to say fifteen times now. Okay, like even when they put it on Disney, yeah, they, Plus, they, they, they just constantly. <laughs> you just can't make up their fucking mind. I think at this point, Lucas is fucking with people as far as that goes. But like, there's probably because there's such an outrage. There's when that an happened. endless list of changes to Star Wars that people hate, and yeah, rightfully so. The main reason they hate them is you can't get the old version. You just can't. It's not available unless you have old VHSs, and that sucks. Uh, you know, you should have the high quality version of the original film. You know, it's, it's a please. preserve that old special effects artwork and in much the same way but to a lesser degree evil dead one has lots of tiny little alterations to remove things that were um you know amateurish um i found out about this from a video uh from uh your movie sucks the youtube channel um he did a a live stream uh looking at the original version and comparing it to uh, the Blu-ray. If you have a DVD of Evil Dead, you have the original version. Uh, Blu-rays and what's on Netflix have been altered. And uh, he was calling it the tapered cut. He was saying release the tapered cut, kind of like as a Snyder cut reference, I assume. Um, So Bob Tapert is in the background of an early shot in the movie uh, as Ash and the gang are driving over the bridge, you can see Robert Tapert, the producer of the movie, just chilling in the background, which, <laughs> um, given how the movie is, there should probably be no one in the background, obviously. Right. It's very isolating, and really you only deal with those five characters for the entirety of the film. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense to me that, like, looking at that, they'd be like, shit, that's Robert Tapert in the background. We didn't realize. Um, and, and actually, if you uh, listen to like commentary tracks and stuff on the DVD release, apparently they point out basically everything they went and changed. <laughs> and, and they're kind of like laughing about it. Yeah. Which makes it even weirder that they went and changed it all. Uh, whoever decided to do so. I'm, I'm going to assume Sam Raimi, but I'm not accusing him of it because it could be a, a, a big list of people. Or it could be none of them, but it's hard to say who would care enough to go make all these alterations. 
so instead of Robert Tapert, the new version just has him like airbrushed out, and it looks like shit if you know what you're looking for. It's just like a green splotch of crap that doesn't look like it should be there, but clearly they just airbrushed Robert Tapert out with just green. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so there's lots of little uh, mistakes that they made that are, I think, part of the charm of Evil Dead because, you know, it's a bunch of ragtag first-time filmmakers, really, getting together and making a movie, and then it turned into a classic, and it jump-started all their careers, and that's cool. That's cool if that's the story of Evil Dead. Yeah. So removing these little moments that are like, ha-ha, see, it's supposed to be nighttime outside, or no, it's supposed to be daytime outside, but you could clearly tell it's nighttime, and then they changed it so it looks more like daytime. They put a little filter over it. That stuff sucks to me. Yeah. Because I like those little moments. So um, there's lots of little things. Tapered in the background is the most obvious way to tell what version you're looking at. Because it happens real early in the movie, and it's real easy to see the alteration. Or lack thereof, because it's Robert Tapert in the background. Right. <laughs> um, but there's lots of little moments. There's like a tube sticking out of one of the deadites at one point that is just clearly a tube. And blood is squirting out of it. Uh, but you can clearly see the tube that they're funneling the blood out of. That has been altered. There's a camera reflected in a mirror at one point. That's been altered. Um, there's a part where you could see the moon outside, and clearly they just uh, kind of did like a matte shot where they got this moon from some other shot of something and then put it into the shot with the cabin. And you could even see the square around the moon in the original version that clearly shows they pasted it in there. Oh, my God. Um, that's been altered to make it look a little more seamless. Lots of little things like that. And none of them are a huge deal. None no, of them are Han Solo's head teleporting to the left slightly bad. None of them are Darth Vader yelling no in Return of the Jedi right. bad. But <laughs> it depresses me a bit simply because it's Evil Dead and a lot of the story about the making of it is messy and yeah. fun to read about, and I think removing all these little things kind of robs the movie of a lot of little moments of character that I would like preserved. And particularly for people that are wanting to see the movie as it originally was, because you cannot right now unless you have a DVD. I talked to my friend Mark Toth, friend of the show. Hi, Mark Toth. Hi, Mark. He has an original copy of this on DVD because he told me he noticed the camera in the mirror and I was like you have the old one because that's totally not the one that I watched because they airbrushed it out um, but the DVD's out of print understandably so because Blu-ray is now yeah, the norm DVD, yeah. and also it's just on fucking Netflix but all those versions are the forever altered versions and that's a shame to me yeah I praised Sam Raimi for something he didn't do <laughs> amazing uh, release the tapered cut. Release the tapered cut. It's more important to me than the Snyder cut. Absolutely, hundred um, <laughs> percent. I don't give a fuck about the Snyder to, cut. And easier to release too, because uh, you don't have to redo a whole movie. Yeah, you don't have to funnel millions of dollars into a project just, that will also find, still be bad. Just find the DVD and rip it, and then put it on streaming services. Yeah, sure. I mean, like you could do little touch-ups here and there if you want. Just make it look nice for Blu-ray. Or I don't care. It's Evil Dead. <laughs> Release it as it looks. I don't care. They didn't do much for Evil Dead 2, I think. I mean, no. The yeah. stuff looks bad that looks bad in Evil Dead 2. And that's 2. fine. <laughs> and then, yeah, that is fine. It shows its age. Who cares? Right. It's how movies work. Yeah. 
Taper cut now. I just want to trending do it on Twitter, that. bitch. It's not gonna trend at all. On Damn it! Too oh. busy uh, talking about demon semen or whatever the fuck's going on. Too busy lately. talking about Pokemon having a boyfriend. Shut the fuck up, you simp's. Twitter's terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> Get a jump show. It's Ken. Hi. I'm Jub. <laughs> I wanted mine to be understated after you <laughs> took 30 seconds to say your damn. Today we watched. Not today, but today we're going to talk about Evil Dead 2. Yeah. It's the second one. Oh, but it's also like the first one. Yeah, it says like the first <laughs> 10 minutes doing the first one. Yeah, it's kind of like that Friday the 13th remake, except not at all, but, like, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Actually. I mean, like, in the sense that, like, yeah, the, it, it's familiar territory for about 20 minutes, and then that's not the movie at all. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. You're immediately in a new territory. And I have some information about why that could be, and... But I don't know. As for me, I, I kind of still view the first one as canon and it happened. It's just like I would view the first one as occupying the space that the first 10 minutes of Evil Dead 2 is, as opposed to Evil Dead 2 itself, like what it shows. Okay. Um, like, not anything, not everything makes sense, all clear and cut. Like, I think we were even discussing yesterday, like, you know, maybe you could make an edit of both of them, but like, the more I think about it, the more it would not make sense, it would not flow together well. You're just kind of kind of have to reconcile it in your brain yourself and right. not care about it. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. The rules are very loose in Evil Dead anyway. <laughs> yeah, nothing makes total sense. Yeah, sure. Sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing wrong with some sense. But anywho... Adjustment. What okay. did you do this week? Nothing. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been fighting with people in Ohio and telling them to wear a fucking mask. What did you do this week? <sighs> That's fun and sad. <laughs> Oof. I hate the world we live in, Justin. I agree. I really do. It's not good. You know... <sighs> you know in, in Jaws... When okay. like um, they okay. have to like they have to like tell people not to go in the water, right? And then they just do because there's a big shark. Yeah, that's then they just do killing people, right. and then they just want to like you can't tell me what to do, right? That's exactly what's happening. I, I feel like a portion of me when I was a kid thought that that was unrealistic because surely to God, no person would be stupid enough after seeing you know some of the early scenes in Jaws where people get Jawsed. Duh. <laughs> uh, like you know, you see you see the jaws kill the peoples, and you'd be like, I don't want to go in the water. Obviously, I'll get jawsed. <laughs> but like, nah, that's realistic. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. Yeah, people are stupid as people shit. People just don't want to listen to what like anybody of any kind of authority tells them. I, Even the person who is working at the place to tell them to put their fucking mask on. They still don't listen. They don't want to listen to you. I completely understand 
and encourage distrusting the government. Correct. However, <laughs> public will see the public quick film man is not necessarily the government, and maybe you shouldn't yell at him. Right. Well, also his, like public little Debbie counter. Public health advisory is different from like governmental advisory. Yeah. Where you're mostly being told to do this stuff by like trained professional doctors mm-hmm. who like know what they're talking the about. The government's very secondary to this degree. And yeah, we're at the point where the entire world has arrived at the conclusion. That masks help stop the spread of COVID-19. Yeah. It's not like before where we were still learning new things about it. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea. There's proof now that masks help stop the spread of COVID-19. So just wear it, right? Mm-hmm. People don't want to hear that shit. They're not no, down for it. If they could connect it to the liberals are telling me what to do, they're not going to do it. Yeah. They're just going to be mad and stomp their feet like That's donkeys. what they do, too. They're children. Yeah. They're babies. Mm-hmm. They're little baby children. Man, I'll stomp around when I'm kicked out of my building like a little baby. The babies. So that literally happened, huh? Someone stomped your building. Someone kicked your building. Just kept, yeah, like, he just stood outside and screaming motherfucker and just like was kicking the side of the building because I told him he couldn't come inside. I'm sure it didn't damage the building. No, the building's fine. It's literally metal. I hope he. I hope he stubbed his toe. Hope he stubs his toe every morning. He goes, <laughs> he goes, wakes up and decides he's not going to wear a mask. I hope when he kicked the side of your building, he had like a bit, like a, like a little bit of an ingrown toenail. Like he just didn't notice. Like he didn't cut it right. And then he like kicked it, and it was like it hurt more than normal. And he like noticed, and he was like, "Fuck!" And now he has an ingrown toenail that's impounded in his toe. I hope when he kicked the side happened. of the building, his foot fell off. <laughs> Mine might have been a little more realistic. Yeah. I hope he kicked the side of the building and he blew up. (laughs) (laughs) You hear the the YouTube poop noise where it was, what the fuck blew up? (laughs) And he blew up. Hell yeah, dude. I'm down for that. And he was like, this wouldn't have happened if you guys didn't make me wear a mask. Gotcha, liberal. (laughs) Fuck you, liberals. Anyway, fuck the current timeline. Right. Let's go back and talk about a game... That everyone fondly remembers but hates the series it's in now, I think. I don't think anybody hates uh, it. I'll, I'll kind of get in because I played the later stuff, so I'll kind of get into like... I'm going to play the later stuff and I'm going to be talking about it on here. And I'll likely weeks. be playing chunks of it with you too. Yeah, so. sure. Well, the nice thing about far, later Far Cry's co-op is it's kind of like pop in, pop out. We're talking about Far Cry. Right. Clear. Yeah. Um, I'm playing, I played, I beat, I platted Far Cry 3, which in my opinion is fucking incredible, and I wish I played it sooner. One of the best games of last gen, like, for sure. I think, I don't know, like, you and your brother, Matt Dustman, a couple people, did a, did a like, top 100 games of the, the decade. Is Far Cry 3 in that? Because it yeah. probably deserves a spot. It is in there some. I think it's, it's, it's lower, but it's in there. I mean, lower's fine, but, like, I think there's lots of subtle ways that it... I think it was in the 70s, if I remember correctly. Um, see, it's interesting because it's gameplay design and it's gameplay loop clearly inspired not just Far Cry games, but, like, open-world games for the rest of the generation. Into this one? But it could have been a detriment that it did that, too, because games started to get samey within its series and outside of its series. You had a trifecta at that time. Yeah. Your three pillars of open-world gaming at the time were Skyrim, Okay. Far Cry 3, and Assassin's Creed 2. All came out around the same time. Within years of each other. 2011 to 2012? Yeah. Sure, okay. 
So those three games, like GTA Five, came out like 2013. Yeah. So you got that going too, right? So those are like the big pillars that shaped open world gaming for like the rest of that generation and the next one. Yeah. Like we're still feeling that the effects of all those now, and yeah, Far Cry has the more checklisty, arcadey style. Now, eventually, Assassin's Creed adopted this like fully. I think that's part of the problem that made it feel a lot more regular than Far Cry games that were, like, semi-annual. But then Assassin's Creed was, like, really annual. And it had the same formula. And it had the same... So it felt like you were getting, like, two Ubisoft open-world games TM a year. Yeah. And that's a little much. Because Assassin's Creed 2's open-world, like, collect-style collect stuff is different from Far Cry 3's. Which is better. Right. It's better It is better, yeah, because Assassin's Creed 3's are, like, hidden and stuff. And then they figured I out that that model was better. I vastly prefer seeing shit on the map. Yeah, 100%. Or, um, that's, uh, that's one thing I like about uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Like, we'll have the stuff on the map. It won't tell you exactly what it is. It'll just be like a question mark, and you just go to it. No, that's fine. There's there's yeah. lots of times in Far Cry where I had to, like, look around and find a cave to get into a place to get a collectible. Like, I knew the general area where it was. But, that's fine. Like, I went to the area, and it wasn't there, so it was, like, below me. That stuff's fine. It still encourages a bit of exploration to find it. But, like, I know the general area. I'm not just, like, wandering around with a flashlight and a guide in my hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, games that don't give you any idea of where the collectibles are can go to hell, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I like getting collectibles. You're talking to somebody who got all 200 fucking pigeons in GTA 4, okay? Yeah, and this is a thing that uh, was brought on a lot by Far Cry 3. Uh, changed a lot of that. I'm eternally grateful to it for doing that then. Yeah. But even more so than that, that game is incredible. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I don't like about it. Yeah, especially the ending. <laughs> yeah. That, the story is interesting as fuck in concept. Yeah, in execution they kind of In execution it gets a little bungled. Um, yeah. Let me talk about the gameplay first, because I think that's an easier that, discussion. That's the king of this game. That's the part where it shines. Yeah. Shooting dudes is extremely fun. Oh, as always. Um, the driving sucks, but honestly it's fun that it sucks. Yeah. Uh, falling off a cliff in a car and then it explodes, but you're able to jump out at the last second is fun. Now, granted, I didn't mean to do that. I meant to drive to my destination. But that's fun. <laughs> but hey, I can just run to my destination now. Fuck it. It's not that much longer. How much did everything change for you once you got the wingsuit? Not a lot. No? No, I think by then, like, I was learning how to get up stuff easy. Well, the wingsuit's fun getting down from stuff. Yeah, that helped. Um, like, you drive a car over Something a I really appreciate about a game I'm playing through right now, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, is you can just jump off a mountain and not die. Well, because you're a robot guy. Yes. I realize <laughs> it's not very realistic to do that as, you know, trust fund child or whoever you're playing as. Basically. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I, it's just, like, I think there's a lot of, like, subtle things in the environment to tell you when you can go up stuff that really help you. Like, clearly there will be ropes that you can climb. Clearly they will, there will be vines you can climb. And you can run up mountains as long as there is tall grass that would, like, cover you if you were in cover. And you can't just run up it if it, if it doesn't have that. Right. Uh, that stuff helped me. And, like, I genuinely just approached every situation. Like, there has to be a way up there. Yeah. And I figured it out. And there usually is. I yeah. mean, one, one thing I love about those games, it doesn't always translate well into every open world game, but a lot of them have adapted this, is using subtle environmental stuff to tell you where you can and can't go. Yeah. Um, I hate it 
because one of my big criticisms is of Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate it when a video game unnaturally tells you where you're supposed to go. Horizon has like weird, like everything that you can traverse is just like highlighted in yellow, and it looks gross and stupid. I kind of agree. In, I like it better in a system like Far Cry. It's where really it's a subtle, rope or but vines. still obvious. Like all the ropes look exactly the same that you can climb up, but they look like part of, they're part of the environment. Yeah, they look like they or they they could be there at least. Right. They're not highlighted in glowing yellow, so the idiot doesn't not notice it. You know right. what I mean? In Horizon, you just get like, used to it the more you play. Everything you can climb up, like all the indents in the mountains and stuff, are like highlighted in yellow, and it looks stupid. And I hate yeah. that shit. I hate that shit. It wasn't Make a deal breaker. Natural. I'm gonna go back to Horizon at some point. It's a good think, game. But. The combat's genuinely amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 my problem with that game was the open world stuff. I thought it was a little too checkmarky. Um, the map is abhorrently huge. You might like that a lot. I don't know. It depends. Um, I thought Far Cry's was just right. Yes, it is. Um, it is perfect. It, it, it feels really big and cumbersome at the beginning of the game, but then you start getting a couple outposts and you realize that, like, oh, I can just warp. And that's when the game opened up to me because I realized that, like, oh, that's not that far away because I can warp closer to it. Then it's only, like, 500 meters away as opposed to, like, a million. Right. Um, <laughs> like, you got to abuse that system. And that helps because, hey, buy those maps. Collectibles are on your map. Get a couple on the way to a thing. Do a side quest. And I think that was the main thing that I liked is that, like, the story quests were probably, like, some of the better gameplay. But getting outposts and hunting shit is some of my favorite stuff in that game, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, like, some of the systems could use a little work, and I'll see if they improve them and stuff like Far Cry 4. A bit. But, like... It's not, it's not enough of a step. I always felt that I either had too little money or too much. I was never in a good middle point. Um, early on in the game, I was like, how do I do anything? I have no money. But then you just get a couple outposts, and it's just like, here's all the weapons in the game for free. And I was like, oh, okay, so yeah. I don't have to buy weapons no, at all. You don't have to buy weapons. I just have to wait till I unlock them. Right. And then basically I was just using money to buy ammo, and that was it. Yep. And maps. Once I bought all the maps for, like, the first island, I was like, well, what is there even to buy? And the answer was nothing. And then I kind of had this problem where I was like, I can't yet craft the biggest wallet because I have to do a hunting side quest but then the hunting side quest will give me money for completing it and yet my wallet is full what do I do here and like <laughs> I kind of just started buying like random shit I didn't need yeah. and it was fine until the end of the game when like I was buying ammo pretty frequently and by then I had pretty much bought everything I wanted but like I had kind of like stopped looting because I felt like I didn't need to. And then you ran out of money. And then I realized I kind of need to. Yep. A little bit. Just maybe not as much as I was doing early in the game. Because I felt like I need the money. Right. So, uh, like, maybe a little balancing on that would have been good. Yeah, the later games kind of balance that out in a way that, like, kind of works. Yeah. Where they just give you more stuff to buy. Where they... I'm they, okay with that. Yeah, they just... Like, you're able to buy upgrades for your weapons. And, like, get new scopes and stuff. And skins. I mean, that's kind of in Far Cry 3, but I never fucked around with a lot of it. Like, I don't care if my gun has flames. I fuck off. <laughs> yeah, but, like, no, there's, like, there's, like, you know, like, ammo. Like, magazine upgrades you could buy for the guns and different scopes and, like, all that stuff. 
Yeah, that's all there, though. Yeah, well, they, they like, expanded that system where, like, there's I, a I lot more. I think my issue was there was a, a tab that was special, and they were better than all the other weapons. Yeah, the special weapons are the best and weapons. And you don't there. need to buy any other attachments and things because yeah. they're not available. It's already fully upgraded and shit. So once I had those, I didn't need anything else. Right. You only need to buy a weapon once, so... Uh, hunting is great. I yes. love that animals have separate AI to the the human enemies. So like you could like you know I've had so many scenarios where I was like sneaking into a base to go get everybody. Gameplay that reminded me a lot of Metal Gear Solid Five, which seemingly took some inspiration from this. Yeah, I'm without me knowing it because yep. I played far up because I played Metal Gear Five first. Um, you know you just sneak in and you're gonna like kill everybody then a tiger just walks in the base and then everybody's like oh shit it's a tiger and starts shooting it and they're very distracted and that actually helped me go run and turn off the alarm while everyone is distracted like little moments like that is yeah are neat yeah they're really cool i love that shit and then like some of the bases have animals in a cage and you can just go pop pop shoot open the cage <laughs> oh shit there's a bear attacking everyone now no don't run after me go attack the other guys ah shit moments like that were great I love that shit. That there was so unpredictable, and it was never frustrating. Like it was never like I'm running towards a thing, and I can't do it. And oops, now a bear killed me. Uh, it, like that happens, and it's funny. And I didn't even care because it's really quick to just get back to right to what you were doing. Yeah. It was never like oh fuck, there goes 15 minutes, and that's good. Because I would kind of find that in like other games trying to get collectibles and stuff. Yeah. The story's kind of a different matter entirely. Yeah, I, I it, it's one of those scenarios where I wish there was more. Like, it, yeah. you know, I'm not, like, you know, as well-versed on it as I was when I played it, obviously, but... Uh-huh. Like, I, I was, I remember being super hooked in the beginning because it was a super interesting concept. Yeah. And then it, like, goes super off the deep end towards, like, the last act of the game, and it stops making any legitimate sense. I think so, and I think that's the main problem of the game. So, uh, in looking at some interviews with the head writer, uh, he believes that people kind of, like, misunderstood this game and kind of just said it has a shit ending because of one reason or another. And he was like, you guys didn't understand it. And, like, I, I, far be it for me to say that, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are dumb. <laughs> True. <laughs> and didn't approach it the way that he wanted people to approach it. But at the same time, I think that if he wanted the ending of the game to feel more like what he was saying, he should have made a better effort to make it make more sense in, in terms of what he was trying to do. So what I think he was trying to do was this. You're, um, you're playing as a white, rich boy yeah, who becomes an action white savior man to you know, the brown people on this island, right? Yeah. Which is kind of like <laughs> dated as fuck and generic yeah. and stupid. However, I appreciate that it kind of fucks with that concept a lot in terms of like, maybe your character is a bit of an unreliable narrator. I think they could have leaned into that more and like, maybe your player character thinks he's white savior man and thinks he's the cool guy with the tribal tattoos that is saving all the brown people but I mean really spoilers for a game they're playing him the whole time in a way yeah and kind of making him take care of some problems 
I guess to fulfill a ritual, yes. which depending on which ending you take, you may not be aware that that was the case or not. Oops. Uh, I did the don't slit your girlfriend's throat ending. Sorry, I know that may be controversial. <laughs> I didn't murder my <laughs> girlfriend. Um, I think making it about that choice is a mistake. It is. Because the Rockyots seem pretty chill the whole fucking game. And then they're cartoonishly evil yeah. at the end of the game when they kidnap all your friends and basically go, them or us. And, like, by that point in the game, your main character, Jason Brody, has already decided that he's going to break up with his girlfriend and stay with the Rockyot yeah. on the island. They didn't even have to convince him at all. They were just worried that he wasn't going to stick to it or whatever. So they could have just let the friends leave and still, like, did exactly what the bad, quote-unquote, ending of the game is, where Jason gets to, to fuck Citra, but then gets murdered in some kind of ritual sacrifice thing. Yeah. That isn't really well-defined at all. No, it's really weird. That's the ending that I picked the first so, time So, like, if, if the friends left... That would have happened anyway. I don't know if he needed to kill his girlfriend to get the sacrifice going, if that was part of it, because it's not explained yeah, very it did, well. Yeah, if it was, it, um, it wasn't clear. So, my point is, Jason seemed pretty on board until they kidnapped his friends and threatened to kill them, and killed Doctor Man for no reason as well. Yeah, it was like part of their group. I thought because yeah, it didn't like, make any sense. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, you know, so that shit go, comes huh? so out of nowhere that, like, it feels forced. If it was, like, if there was a little bit of hints towards it in any way, like, not that it'd be obvious that it was coming, the twist, but a twist only works when, like, you could kind of see around the edges and, like, you know, if I was playing through Far Cry 3 a second time, would the twist make more sense? And I think the answer is no. No, because it happens literally out of nowhere. Yeah. There's no science at all. Not even subtle ones. Yeah, there's no subtle hint towards it at all. Yeah, it's, um, it's strange. And then I think the other main problem this game has is a pretty obvious one that everyone talks about. And that is, Voss is fantastic, but two-thirds of the way into the game he is dead, and now the main villain is somebody else who is far less interesting. Yes, and that is a huge problem. Voss is fucking great. He's played by Michael Mando from Breaking... I'm sorry, not Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul. He plays Nacho on that show. He's fucking great. Yeah. I love Michael Mando. And as Voss, he's fucking fantastic. His cutscenes are like the best part of the entire game's story. Yeah, 100%. And then you kill him, which has to happen because, you know... He's your main revenge driving force is to kill Voss because he killed your brother. Yeah. So that has to happen, but then it's like, ah, you gotta go fight Voss's boss, and he's even worse than Voss, and I, I never felt that. I never felt that at all. Like, he felt mu like a much more generic bad guy man. Like, he just felt like generic Scarface. Yeah. That, like, you know, then you just have to kill him. And then it's just like, oh, okay. Like, and I thought they were going to do something more interesting with the Foss because his boss fight was super interesting because it's really trippy because, like, you're on drugs or something yeah. during it. And, like, you have to, like, take down, like, a bunch of Vosses and then, like, 
when he does die, he opens his eyes, and that was like in all the trailers and stuff. But then nothing happens as a result of that. Like, I thought there was going to be, like, some, like, Arkham Knight shit going on and, like, Voss in your head and talking to you the rest of the game. That would have been fucking cool. Like, you're haunted by him a bit. And he just, like, like, taunts your decisions throughout the game. He's like, I told you the Rocky out were bad, but you didn't listen because you're just doing the same fucking thing over and over again or something like that. Like, that would have been awesome, but now he's just gone from the game. Drug-induced fucking, like, weird shit going on where you're just stuck in your head. That'd be awesome. That would have been really cool, but nah. And then there's, like, some other good characters in the game, but a lot of them are just kind of, like, annoying. Yeah. I, I, I particularly... And what? And flat. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you said and fat. <laughs> no, no, no. They're flat. Like, almost all of your friend characters are flat. Yeah, they don't have much of a personality, and I think yeah. that would have, like, building them up so that you like or dislike them, whichever one they wanted you to kind of do, would have been better. But instead, I think they wanted it to be, like, like neutral so that, like, either ending would be possible for you, the player. It doesn't work. Wait, like it doesn't that. work at all. No, you have to tailor it so, like, it's a culmination of that, that the players play through of the game. Yeah, I would say. Which Far Cry 3 does not do, yeah. unfortunately. Um, there's a couple, like, interesting semi-bad guy characters. Like, I liked the dude with the fucking... The Australian man. Yeah. That's chiding you on to do stuff. Um, was fun. But then you just have a knife fight with him, and then you kill him, which seemed very stupid on his part to do. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he seems, like, very above you and ahead of the game at all parts of that quest until it's he's not, and then he just has a knife fight with you. And I was... It's kind of weird, because that happens multiple times in the game. Like, Hoyt, the main bad guy at the end, just has a knife fight with you, and I'm like... Are you telling me the main bad guy in charge of a huge, giant, big militia would just knife fight me and not just have, like, a shitload of people shoot me to death? Like, he would knife fight me and lose. <laughs> like, like, are you... And also, that meant that the big end boss fight was just a fucking Leon fighting Jack Krauser quick time event that was kind of pointless. Yep. Also, shout-outs to the helicopter mission, which is fucking impossible, and I hate it. Uh, I played this entire game on medium, okay? Uh-huh. And then I died at the helicopter part, where it's playing Ride, Ride of the Valkyries and shit. It's a really cool moment, but then I kept getting killed over and over again, and I seemingly couldn't do anything about it. Um, and I was sick of it, so I turned the difficulty down to easy for one part. Be ready to do a lot of helicopter missions in Far Cry 5. Well, that's several games from now, and I'm not worried about it at the moment. We'll see. Um, for now, I'm done with 3. It was great with a few minor issues, mainly story ones. Yeah. I don't think it's a deal-breaker. It's still a fantastic no, that's game. That's somebody's giving like a 9 out of 10 to me. Like, yeah, for sure. It's still one of the best games of the last generation. And by the way, I'm playing Blood Dragon right now, which yeah. might be even better because it, is, better it is fucking hilarious. It is a better game than Far Cry 3. It doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's an 80s parody. It's glorious and stupid, and I love every second of it so far. I'll probably talk about that like next week or something. Okay. I don't know if I'll beat it by then, but I'll probably just whatever. <sighs> and we're going to play Far Cry 4. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. I think I'll play through all of them. 
But, like, I don't know how fast I'm going to do it, because they're very long games, depending. Yeah. Four looks incredibly similar to three. I think they approach that with a very, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. And I'm not entirely um, mad about that. That's fine. I just hope that, you know, I've definitely heard that five kind of maybe suffers from being similar. Yeah, five's, well, because by the time five hits, like, okay, yeah, you, you, you just your sequel to your big one, Far Cry 4. So it's uh-huh. like, yeah, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Don't, if it's not broke, don't fix the mentality. Add a couple things. They added co-op. They added, like, like a bunch of a bunch of new things to do. You're in a different territory. You're not a white savior anymore. You're a person who, like, once lived at this place. Sure. You're like in the Himalayas or some shit, right? Yeah, you're you're a person who, like, used to live there, but then moved away and then came back. Okay. So, like, it's still, like, a a, sort of a foreigner thing, but, like... It's not as fish out of water and I am the white savior man. Yeah, that's not happens at all because you're actually Himalayan. That's fine. I mean, like, it's sought to, like, kind of fuck with that trope in Far Cry 3. I just think it should have did a better job with that. It was more direct about how much it fucked with it. I think it would be more fun. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't know, that's about it. Yeah, I haven't played shit, so I, I've been working. I played a little bit of Smash Ultimate with my with my friends, mm-hmm. my Smash friends. That was fun. Played some Fox. Fox. When I play Fox, he's really fun. Yeah. He does a lot of combos. Like he's a big combo character. Smash doesn't have combos, Justin. You just hit the A button. Yeah, but, like, you do hit the A button, but then you do, like, an up tilt, an up tilt, two jab, an air, up air, up air. Smash isn't a fighting game, Justin. It has you, Mario in it. What are you, you talking fight, about? But you fight. And by definition. Okay. It's the only thing you do in the game, and it's the basis of it. Yeah, I know. I'm being an asshole. Just let me do it. No. <laughs> All right, fine. Fuck you, gamer. When new character? Nintendo. Hopefully in August. Like, everything for them is delayed right now. Yeah. Everything with everybody. See, we were probably going to get a bunch of fighting game announcements when Evo was supposed to happen uh, this weekend. And Oh, yeah, when e- <laughs> Evo. Oh, my God. Evo was supposed to happen this weekend. Evo blew up. I was as far be as there. I'm concerned. Again, um, again if, if COVID didn't happen this year, I'd be in Vegas right now. I mean, this stuff might have still happened, and they might have still canceled Evo. Yeah, and Evo, no, if, if it was still a live event, Evo would not have been canceled. You sure? Because way too much preparation. And by the time all uh, yeah, this stuff came out, yeah. by the time all this stuff came out, and you're like less than a month out from Evo, and everything is already done. Okay. You just go forward with the event anyway. Um, but the fact it was all online and easily cancelable, you just do it. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how that would have worked out. Because the event was a shadow oh, well. of its former self anyway. Yeah, it was just online with not the big games that they wanted. If, if, yeah, Evo's already set to go. You run in with that Mr. Wiz and you just do it. Huh. That would have been way awkward. <laughs> would have been an awkward Evo to go to, but I think uh, I think all of us as a community would have still found a way to make it fun. All right. Evil Dead 2 time. We watched Evil Dead 2. Uh, yes, my favorite. I love that movie. Two Evil, Two Dead. Now, now Excellent I hate film. No, I hate it. Thank you. I appreciate oh, that's that. fucking great. Come on, man. It tells you how evil it is. It's too. It's too evil. Yeah. Too dead. And how dead it is. 
Oh, I just want to bring this up to you real quick. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always pull up the movie for playback. Mm-hmm. I pulled it up on the frame that it, like, does the weird tilt thing on the floor, on the deer head. <laughs> just completely randomly, and I left it there. I was like, this is great. It's good shit. So, yeah, Evil Dead 2. Released in what year? 1987 That's in right. March. That's right. About six years after Raimi, Taper, and Campbell uh, burst onto the scene with the first one. Now... Um, so obviously, you know, you got Evil Dead 1, huge deal. And Raimi, you know, he pulls up his bootstraps and he's like, all right, it's time to make another film. And he talks to Tapert and he's like, yeah, I'm on board to make another movie. And he talks to Campbell and he's like, yeah, I'm on board to make another movie. And they start making Crime Wave, which was released in 1986. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Crime Wave, which you haven't heard of, I guarantee it. No, you haven't. <laughs> haven't seen this movie, don't intend to. Maybe it's free on YouTube as far as I know. Um <laughs> it's a uh so this is a comedy film with elements of horror and noir. It's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, Raimi directed, Tapert produced, Campbell also produced, and he is in it. His role is a lot smaller. He's not the leading actor. He's just in it. And the Coen brothers wrote the damn thing. So this should be a good movie. The ingredients are there. But no. (laughs) It's like, oh, I I got the bow tie pasta. I got the fucking... I got the ragu. Mm-hmm. I got the boiling pot of water. Oh, wait. I put the pasta in before I let the water boil. <laughs> you put the you put the jar of pasta in the oven. Oops. Uh, that's whoops. not where it goes. It's supposed to be on the stovetop, not inside the stove. Whoops. Now it's burnt and tastes like ass. <laughs> Oops. Uh, So, yeah, anyway, a big reason this movie ended up being a colossal failure was, you know, studio interference. They really helped make the movie worse than it already was. You know, just like, you know, Raimi kind of grew distrustful of studios after this point because they, you know, didn't let him even edit the movie himself and stuff like that. You know, they had final say over that kind of shit. And it, it really soured uh, the whole experience for him. You know, immediately after Evil Dead, a movie he had a lot of control over. Yeah, I can see. Definitely why that would Mm -hmm. be really disenchanting. Plus, just studio interference in general usually sucks. Yeah, I agree. Now, granted, it might have been shit anyway, but who knows. Um, The film was only released in a few cities and was dead on arrival at the box office as a result. As Bruce Campbell put it, quote, it wasn't released it escaped. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> I love him. That's great. So Raimi Tapert and Campbell now have a certified bomb on their resume right underneath a certified gem. So it kind of looks like their career was over just as it had really begun. So Irvin Shapiro, who we talked about a bit last week, he was the guy who took a chance on Evil Dead uh, after seeing it. Saying it, it's not quite gone with the gone with the wind, but we'll go with it. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, he's kind of like their publicist, right. right? So he's like, "Hey, you guys want to save your career? Make Evil Dead 2. 
<laughs> now, they were probably planning on doing it anyway. I believe they were writing the script before they made Crime Wave. Uh, well, Raimi was writing the script with somebody not involved with Crime Wave. <laughs> I'll get to it in a minute. But, like, you know, obviously they hurried along making Evil Dead 2 before any other projects. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, maybe there's a... a maybe they kind of had to in a couple ways, you yeah. know? Just um, give themselves some kind of, like, achievement. They don't want to bomb again. Yeah. Uh, Raimi had originally shelved the sequel to Evil Dead in favor of making Crime Wave, ironically. But, uh, yeah, so now it seems like, you know, they got to bounce back after that disaster. So, production began with Embassy Home Entertainment, who had financed and distributed Crime Wave. But eventually, it seemed they were just stalling the production and not willing to move forward. Maybe they were having second thoughts about making another Raimi film after Crime Wave. Understandable. Um, <laughs> like, shit happens. So, Raimi needed a new financer. And he found one in uh, Dino... De Laurentiis, or Laurentis. He got two eyes. I don't know. I've De... heard it as De Laurentiis, but it's two eyes, and that throws me really bad. It doesn't matter. It looks like T's. Spelling doesn't mean shit. Probably not. So he's a well-known <laughs> Italian-American producer. He produced like 500 or so movies during his lifetime. Uh, like it's it's a pretty fucking crazy good list too. We got like Serpico, Death Wish, The Shootist. Uh, the the seventy six King Kong, okay. Conan the Barbarian, the, the Flash Gordon movie, uh, Blue Velvet, Dune, Halloween two, Halloween three, and uh, just to name a few. That's a good resume. So in the eighties, Dino entered a partnership with uh, Stephen King, and that was to produce many adaptations of his novels and short stories. Uh, this included The Dead Zone, Cat's Eye, which underrated little movie there, Silver Bullet, and, and of course, everyone's favorite Stephen King film, and also the only Stephen King film, Maximum Overdrive. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the, the only movie of that is an adaptation of King's work that King actually directed. And uh, if you watch the movie, you will realize why it is the only thing Stephen King has directed. <laughs> um... So Dino, you know, like, I, I th I'm pretty sure Maximum Overdrive came out same year as Evil Dead 2. So, like, Dino De Laurentiis is currently working with Stephen King on this movie. Yeah. Um, now, Dino had previously asked Raimi if he was interested in adapting uh, Stephen King's story thinner. Well, Richard Bachman's story, but... Ah, whatever, it's too long of a story to explain that crap. So anyway, <laughs> Raimi declined that. He didn't. He wasn't interested in Thinner. Um, but still, Stephen King was a huge supporter of Raimi when it came to the first Evil Dead. Yeah. Helped type it up, helped give it some mainstream success as a direct result of his praise. Uh, so when King heard Raimi was having trouble funding the sequel, he calls up Dino and tells him, Finance Evil Dead 2. And he's, Dino's initially skeptical, but then he realizes that the movie has um, a big market in Italian markets. I, I think Evil Dead got called other shit in Italy, and it was one of those movies like um, like The Night of the Living Deads, where like they made sequels that aren't fucking Evil Dead movies, and they just get called Evil Dead. I'm pretty sure. Okay. In because Italy's weird when it comes to that yeah, kind of does, shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think there's shit that's like Evil Dead 4 and it's not an Evil Dead movie at all and stuff like that in, in, over in Italy. Yeah, Italy's It might not weird. be called Evil Dead at all. But. Italy film is very weird and very interesting if you ever want to read about Copyright it. law must be different. <laughs> it almost didn't exist at that time in Italy. That's scary. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he agrees. And Raimi has funding now. Hooray. Now, Raimi's original idea for a sequel involves Ash time traveling to the Middle Ages. Hey, that sounds ah. familiar because that's the next one. That's the third one. So, De Laurentiis requested the movie not be that. He wanted it to be similar to the first. Possibly feeling that that would sell better. Yeah, I Maybe even that. in that Italian market where you can just copy-paste movies right. <laughs> into a format. Um, and I can kind of see that, like, just right after Evil Dead, maybe Army of Darkness is too soon. I think, I think the so. progression is perfect. Um, I think if Army of Darkness was the next one, that would be a bit, like... It would feel like the transition from Texas Chainsaw 1 to Texas Chainsaw 2. It's yeah. a little too much too fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there was an Evil Dead 2-esque movie in between Texas Chainsaw 1 and 2, that transition might have worked a little better. But there isn't. Right. So, what can you do? Makes it less jarring. Yeah, I for think sure. so. Yeah, absolutely. Because, obviously, this one is going to incorporate a lot more comedy and, and outright slapstick. Whereas Evil Dead 1 is more just straight horror. Yeah. At, at least, sort of. Um... So, Raimi's not the only writer this time around. His longtime friend Scott Spiegel joined him. Yeah. Now, Spiegel has made short films with Raimi and Campbell in the past. Uh, he even played Scotty in Within the Woods, not in The Evil Dead, Within the Woods being the prototype film. Right. Uh, he would eventually direct films himself, like From Dusk Till Dawn yep. 2. Yep. And Hostel 3. <laughs> reason I know... <laughs> The reason I know he directed From Dust Till Dawn 2 is I have the DVD of that movie. Is that any good, Justin? No. Okay, so I was going to guess no. No, it's not good at all. All right. Why is there a sequel to... That seems like a... like. I think there's three how, of them. How, though? From what I know. I haven't I'm seen From sure. Dust Till Dawn 1 even, but I'm like from sure what I know... three of them. That's kind of fucking insane. Um, and I didn't know there was three hostels until this either. I thought there was just the two. But hey, whatever. Let's see. Sequels. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a third one. That's pathetic. From Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. I thought there was a third one. That's a long title. Okay. Yes. All right, fine. Ridiculous. Anyway, if you want to know what Scott Spiegel uh, looks like, pull out your copy of Spider-Man 2 uh-huh. and watch the beginning scene where he's delivering pizza. And uh, there's a part where Spidey has to has to go save some people, so he puts the pizza down on a uh, rooftop balcony. Then some dude comes up and like goes, "Ooh, look at this pizza!" And he like grabs a piece and gets ready to eat it. And then Spider-Man takes the pizza from him when he's done saving the people. Yeah, that's Scott Spiegel. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he he was uh, he brought a lot of humor and slapstick to the project. Because that was kind of the short films that he and Raimi had made were mainly comedies, and he wanted to bring that kind of shit back to it. I think it's a good idea. I think so, too. I think Evil Dead thrives in its ridiculousness. Also, he made a short movie about an evil hand, which uh, they literally just took 
elements of and put it in this movie and thank God because that's one of the best bits. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Raimi and Spiegel write the script. While living in a packed house in Silver Lake, L.A., uh, the house was home to Raimi, Spiegel, both Coen brothers, Francis McDormand, Kathy Bates, and Holly Hunter all Holy living in the shit. same house, which is kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> That's, that's a lot of uh, cool, important, famous people. Uh, now, the script took a long time per, to produce, uh, maybe partially due to the packed house being distracting, and also because Sam Raimi was making fucking crime wave. Yeah. But hey, eventually it's done, and it's time to make a good movie again. Woo! Raimi and Campbell have both stated that they intended Evil Dead 2 to be a direct sequel. With the early scenes initially meant to feature the other fucking characters from the first movie that aren't in this movie. Um, going over their fates briefly, just like they did with Linda. Just like in a kind of abridged version of the first film's events. That would have been cool. But uh, all of them are scrapped, except Linda, to save time and money. Which I guess makes sense. Um, but then there's like a lot of other inconsistencies that kind of make this more of a soft reboot than a true sequel. Yeah. No matter what Raimi and Campbell say. Uh, the Necronomicon gets fucking burnt at the end of the first one. But it's just here because that doesn't happen in Evil Dead 2. And, like, the cabin's relatively intact despite it getting well, damaged to hell in the first one. Isn't there in Evil Dead 2? No, it is. It's right next to the fucking recording equipment when they look at it. Is it really? I thought it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Ash doesn't look through it at all. Oh, yeah, here it is. Yep, it's right there. But it's it's there. Um, yes. It's not nearly as big of a part of it. Yeah, I forgot for a second. Now, obviously, like, through the pages that are brought independently are a big part of it, but those aren't in the Necronomicon itself. I guess it could have got burnt, and that could have still been, like, it would have worked. But no, it's just sitting there. So yeah, what are you going to do? This is definitely more of a soft reboot. Yeah. Which isn't particularly, like, a bad thing. Like, you know, you have to kind of put yourself in the perspective of... <sighs> sequels weren't the way they were now, back then. It was very beneficial to the audience to get them up to speed on what happened last time. And I think Evil Dead 2 does a good job in kind of doing that really quickly. Yeah, it only takes, like... Um, and, but still making it, like, part of the movie itself that it's in, which is interesting. Um, it's it's weird that we have a Linda 2, who isn't the Linda from the first movie. Yeah. But what are you going to do? It takes exactly seven minutes to cover the entire plot of Evil Dead 1. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Granted, they kind of do, in Army of Darkness, they go over the plot of Evil Dead 2 in, really like, quickly. a minute. Yeah, it's so, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um... So Tom Sullivan returned to do special effects, but joining the crew this time around was the great Greg Nicotero, who of course worked with Romero and now works on The Walking Dead as their main special effects man. Yeah. He's fantastic. Alongside some other guys, Mark Showstrom, Vern Hyde, Doug Beswick. Effects are probably the most important aspect of this entire production, and uh, I'm glad that they had a good crew to pull it off, because uh, most of it is good, most of it is fun, 
Some of it looks like shit now. Well, the, all the but who cares? All the practical stuff is great. All the digital stuff is bad, and that's just kind of how film worked back then. Yes, it's just kind of what we're stuck with. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Filming took place in Wadesboro, North Carolina. Oddly enough, this is where Steven Spielberg filmed *The Color Purple*, uh, the white farmhouse seen in that film's exteriors served as the production offices for Evil Dead 2. Um, Weird connection between two not very similar films, I think. (laughs) Um, And then the woods near the farmhouse were used for, you know, the woods in the movie, with a cabin set being built inside J.R. Faison Jr. High. (laughs) Um, they didn't have to all live in a cabin this time around. That's Thank cool. Thank God. Um, our cast is pretty small, just like Evil Dead 1's. Obviously, Bruce Campbell's back. Um, Denise Bixler is Linda 2. I'll just go over them now, because, yeah, like, there's very few characters. Yeah, like less than 10. Sarah Berry as Annie. Richard Domier as, uh, Professor Getley, her sort of boyfriend. Uh, Dan Hicks is Jake. He, uh, that actor, unfortunately, passed away in, like, June uh, due to cancer. That was very recent. And uh, Casey Wesley as Bobby Joe. And uh, cool, cool, cool. Let's talk about it. So, yeah. Evil Dead 2 starts with the events of Evil Dead 1 happening again, pretty much. But, like, in Fast Forward? Right. So So, you have... The cast is reduced to just two, though. You just have Ash and Linda too. Stroll on up. The same exact way as you thought before, except the bridge is comically larger. It looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's a model car going over a model bridge. Yeah, it's like it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And then, really quickly, Ash just walks into a different room and stumbles upon the tape recorder with the Necronomicon sitting right next to it. Doesn't even have to go to the basement to find that. It's just there. Stand on the table. Gotta save, gotta save some time here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, there's a tape recorder over here, and he just starts playing it. Mm-hmm. And then immediately... Evil stuff happens. Yep, immediately we get the, your, your, what you're used to at this point with the first person, evil. The evil POV. Strolling yes. on up in the house. It takes Linda immediately. Uh-huh. And then Bruce wanders out in the woods to look for her. She's dead-eyed already. She attacks him. And then just like in the first movie... He cuts her head off with the shovel. And then buries her. Yeah. And then you get the ending scene of the first movie where the evil just glides on towards him. Except that's where the movie cuts. And now this is where Evil Dead 2 starts. Yeah. It picks him up and it throws him <laughs> immensely <laughs> far away from the, from the fucking cabin. Yeah, he's zooming through the sky and some effects that look a little strange but were pretty cool for the time. Just zoom, zooming around there. Yeah, like flipping back and forth. It looks like just like super fast motion. Yeah. Is kind of what it looks like. They clearly had Bruce Campbell on some kind of rig they were spinning around, and they just kind of like had a green screen in the background or something. Yeah. And he gets thrown into a big old puddle of water, and then he is he is dead-eyed. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. That's different. And then the sun comes up. Which means he's undeadited. I, I guess. guess. Yeah. There's no actual rules to this. No, there's not at all. I, I noticed in watching Ash versus Evil Dead that they can totally just exist in the daytime with no problem. 
Um, at least I think so. So that's kind of a weird inconsistency. But hey, whatever. Yes. Yeah, really Who really strange. cares? <laughs> and then you get kind of a recreation of the bridge scene. Yes. Ash tries to leave. The bridge is gone. And he like, no. Yep, and then, and then it very suddenly becomes night again. <laughs> and he gets, gets attacked by the evil again. Time for some more shenanigans. Yep, and now he's just getting thrown around by it. It's beating the shit out of him. He's chasing them all through the house. Mm-hmm. He's comically just knocking... Gash is comically just knocking down every single door in the house as he's running through it. He's literally just toppling it to the floor. Yes. And it's really cool just like first-person tracking scene where it, for a very long time, it's chasing him through the house. It's actually really cool. And he like goes through like a tight corridor and stuff and it never cuts. Mm-hmm. Which is really neat. I thought that shit was really cool. And then the evil just backs out from the house. And you have Ash sitting there, terrified. And then it hard cuts to a plane landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get uh, our new characters. Uh, so this is um, Annie, I yeah, believe. Annie, you're right. So she is the daughter of the couple that... Um, the, the guy that found the Necronomicon on some kind of ex- exhibition. Yeah. Um... Or excavation, I should say. I don't know why I said exhibition. Yeah, it's an excavation. Where she, like her like her father, was looking for Necronomicon stuff and found some pages of it. Yeah, I think she's, like, maybe just going to take him to her dad so he can, like, have it as part of the thing. Yeah. He's studying the Necronomicon. At least that's what she thinks he's doing. But in reality, he tried to, and then, oops, I summoned evil, and yeah. my wife got... Evil did, <laughs> evil dead id. Yep, and then they they so they talk about how they're gonna go back to the cabin, mm-hmm. which you already know that's gonna be fun because Ash is there being attacked by the evil. Yeah, I I like the additional information that Ash is not supposed to be at this cabin and has no relation to anyone that should be in the cabin. Um, Ash and his girlfriend decided to just go in a random cabin. And hang out because no one's there. Yeah, they're being shitheads. That's kind of hilarious that they just stumbled into this situation. Um, you can kind of see that being the case in the first one, but it feels more set up. They never explain whose cabin it is in the first one. Yeah. Or like, the, well, they do. It's the old guy who researched the Necronomicon, but they never explain the relation between him any and any of these kids that are staying there. Right. So it's kind of just left up in the air. I like the explanation that they just go and stay there just because. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking great. It's, it, it's so funny. It, it, it already paints, like, Ash in this movie as a very different character. Yeah, he seems like more of an a-hole. Yeah, which is which great. Which is cool. Which is better. Yeah. Than the, the one where he's kind of actually kind of a pussy. A little bit. Yeah, he's, a, he's more of a normal person. Yeah. He's more of an, like, every man to a fault. Whereas Bruce Campbell is, uh, like, lets himself be Bruce Campbell more, I guess, yeah. with Ash. You know, the comical asshole character. Right. Lets some of that big Duke Nukem energy shine every now yeah. and then. <laughs> it's great. And so we cut back to the cabin here, and the evil is, is just fucking with Ash's brain. It's playing the piano. He's, he's freaking out just watching it happen. 
I mean, it, it like sends Linda back after him. Yeah, so yeah, he, he peers out the window and then Linda just rises from the grave, just her torso, and then the head rolls on up and reattaches mm. itself. And she's dancing around, pulling the head off, putting it back on. It's some wild shit. And she's like asking him to join us. Yes, of course. The Deadites say join us a lot. And also, yeah. I'll swallow your soul a lot. Yeah, and then she uh, she gets up really close to the window, and he tra- he gets away from her, and then her head rolls on in, mm-hmm. and uh, bites his hand. And now we get in a long and very comical scene, where he is just taking this head and bashing everything he possibly can against it. He's hitting yeah. it against walls. He t- takes a book and bashes it into it. He's just like throwing it all around the fucking cabinet. It's it's good. It's good slapstick shit. Yes, it's funny. It's um, just him like chucking himself around. It has everywhere. a more comedic bent than any of the horror from the first one, because um, it goes on for way longer and has a lot more movement and stupidity to it. Yeah. I guess like like I, I I dig it a lot. Me too. I think Evil Dead works the best in this kind of concept. Because the evil itself and the deadites are stupid, so yeah, I would make agree. The everything else stupid too. It hams it up and it makes it fucking enjoyable as shit. Yes, I love it. So I, I think he puts her in a vice in the shed. Yeah, he realizes that he could get to the work shed, and then he like busts out of the cabin and looks incredibly unintentionally trips over a barrel. Yeah, that doesn't look like that was planned. Not uh, at all. <laughs> He, he like very very convincingly stumbles and falls to the ground. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> but he gets to the shed somehow and puts that head in a vice and it, it does the thing. It turns back into normal Linda, too. And uh, it's like, you know, Ash, don't do this. Ash, please. Yeah. And then but he's not fooled this time. Right. And then also the torso comes in. The rest oh. of the body comes in and fights him. Right. That, too. With the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. He couldn't find the... He looks up to get the chainsaw, and then it's not there. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. And then the torso comes in with it, and then he just, like, pushes the chainsaw, and it falls back and hits the top of the torso, and then it just, like, flails around because it doesn't know what to do because there's no head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets the chainsaw off of it, and then he begins chopping his girlfriend into pieces, and blood splatters everywhere. You know, as you do. By the way, you can see in the background of this shed scene... And also, I believe it's in the basement later on, too. Uh, the iconic glove of Freddy Krueger hanging on the wall. Um, interestingly enough, special effects man Mark Showstrom worked on special effects and makeup for both Evil Dead 2 and Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which came out the same year. Oh. So, it yeah. has been suggested that Showstrom just took the glove from the set to Evil Dead 2 and then they put it in the set and then he just took it back to go work <laughs> That's awesome. on, on the Nightmare. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Because I think he was like cool? coming back and forth between different productions. That's really cool. The thing about you were working on this movie and he just like busts in one day he's like, you guys want to see something cool as fuck? It's Freddy's Glove, dude! They're like, oh shit, put it on the shelf! <laughs> I like when horror movies reference other horror movies. Like The yeah. first one had the Hills Have Eyes poster and this mm-hmm. one has the Freddy Glove and I, I love that shit. Yeah, me too. It's awesome. Especially in these movies. Yes. 
because they're they, they're definitely a big like more of a love letter towards that kind of shit, and especially especially Nightmare on Elm Street. You think about like the hamminess of it, mm-hmm. and this like embraces that so much harder. Definitely yeah, springboards off of something. This like This definitely came out as a result, like both of them, of Raimi's love of old B movie kind of shit, right? And also slapstick, you know, there's definitely some Three Stooges influence and stuff like Especially that. Especially in this movie. Yes, for sure. More so in Army of Darkness. Yeah, a lot Just of outright. Army of Darkness. It's but, so um, great. Yeah, we'll get to that next week. Yep. And then uh, Ash, Ash uh, goes back in the house, finds his boomstick. Mm-hmm. The, the iconic boomstick. And his chainsaw. He has both of them now. But then... Uh, He's getting fucked with again. Yes. Chairs moving. Gets up to... Then he goes into a mirror. He's trying to convince himself that he's not crazy. But and and his reflection grabs him yeah. and fucks with him. Starts talking shit. Yeah. Like, you're not fine. You just chopped up your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, eventually, the hand thing happens. Yeah, right after, actually. The hand thing starts. And so his hand turns deadite. Yeah. And now we get a lot of time spent on this hand just torturing him, poking him in the eyes, busting plates on his head. Like, very slapstick Yeah, like it has a mind of its own and it's fucking fighting him and shit. Yeah. Uh, In the middle of this this fight with his hand. We get Like, dead ass in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You get a cut over to um, the, the other girl. What's her name? Annie. Annie. I don't know, we both forgot. Annie's showing on up with her boyfriend to the broken bridge. I'm like, okay, well, what the fuck do well, we do? Well, we can't get to the cabin. And then some uh, yeehaw The yeehaw man. <laughs> this is Jake. <laughs> See, the girl's name, like his girlfriend is named Bobby Joe, but I keep thinking that he should be called Bobby Joe because he looks like a, you know. He looks like a Bobby. Billy Bob man of some sort. Billy Bob Thornton. So they're kind of just like, uh, you know, a-holes. And they're like, yeah, we'll, sh- we'll get you there. If for a price. And a hundred bucks. And Annie's like, deal, you just have to carry my bags. And he thinks it's just a couple things, but it's a comically large trunk. Yeah. Turns out. And he's like, what the fuck? But uh, this will be the least of their concerns momentarily. Yeah. When they come to this cabin in a bit here. And then um, hard cuts back to yeah. the hand continuing to beat the shit out of Ash. Mm-hmm. He tried drowning in the sink for whatever reason. That didn't work. Nice and now it's hand, just man. taking everything in the kitchen and hitting him with it. He has some like little fast motion stuff here to kind of show, to kind of like make the him getting his ass beat uh, without actually getting his ass beat a little more workable here because this is a movie in the eighties. Yeah. Funny thing where he flips himself over. He actually did that. By the way, really? Yeah, that's, that's a thing. Fucking wild! Yeah, he actually flipped himself over. What for a that champion! Scene. Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> How do you do that? I don't know. Like, I mean, this was obviously like fast forwarded. Well, yeah, but I, uh, I didn't think he did it that fast. But he was able to basically like do like a fucking front flip. It's basically a front flip, yeah. but he landed on his ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Yeah, everything that in this scene is just Campbell doing this. That's awesome. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I don't know how many. I'm sure they had stuntmen for some things. Yeah. But man, like he's he's slamming himself with plates. I'm sure they weren't real plates. No, they were not real plates. Well, they're like those. Still. They're like those fake super breakable like film plates. Yeah. You ever see those? Those are really popular in slapsticks. Yes. Um, you could, you could tell like if you like pause it and you look at the plate itself, it looks like a different kind of ceramic, and that's because it is. It's well, incredibly yeah. like it's incredibly light and fragile, mm-hmm. and it makes no sound when you bust it over. A lot of that stuff's eighty yard. Well, of course. So like you just like hit it over and it shatters and it's like this like dusty like clay ceramic stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. So I my favorite part in this, of this whole moment is he gets knocked out by one of the plates yeah, just, yeah. and he's and the hand starts crawling towards a knife on the floor and like dragging Campbell's entire ass with it as he's passed out. Yeah. Just slowly. <laughs> I'm sure it looks like if you you look it looks like somebody's like behind him. And like pushing his feet, <laughs> they have to be moving him somehow. Clearly, yeah. Campbell can't control his whole body weight with just his right. hand. Because like you can kind of tell it's funny. Yes, I love that. And there's, there's all that ceramic all but over then the Campbell floor. Campbell is able to is able to uh, get the best of his hand and stab it before it can grab the knife with a different knife. And now it is time to cut off his hand with the chainsaw. Yeah, and uh, a, yeah, a comical amount of blood squirts everywhere. Oh, while he's it's screaming. A lot. Yeah, I mean, it would hurt, dude. Uh, yeah, you're cutting <laughs> off your own hand. And I think it just cuts right from that to yeah. the other characters. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's just, like, just the, the comical, like, it made me laugh when it cut to the other characters just because, like, the realization that they're walking into this. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> the, yeah, the way it switches back and forth is perfect for this. Yeah. Because it just, like... The situation is escalating, and they're about to bust it in the middle of it. Right. But anyway, when we come back to Ash, I think he has the hand under a coffee can, and he's got his hand. Is yeah, and he puts the books on it, and then he puts up. a copy of A Farewell to Arms That's on top of it. Great joke. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh, and then he wraps up his own arm after I'd imagine he cauterized it on the stove or something. I would fucking hope. I wish they would have showed that. That would be funny as fuck. Oh God. Okay. But anyway, it gets loose because he just had it under a bucket under some yeah, it's books. Like, it's like, fuck you, and it just drags it away. Yeah. And, and uh, at this point, the hand is like making noises at him. Yeah, it's like, like a critter. Yeah, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. And it's like, it flips him off at one point. Yeah, it's great. Um, it starts playing like a cat and mouse game with him where it's hiding in mouse holes and he has the shotgun and he's trying yeah, to shoot it. This literally becomes like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah. Where he's trying to <laughs> shoot like the mouse. It even like hits a mouse trap. Yeah, like it, <laughs> it's it's super comical and weird, and he ends up shooting it, which he thinks kills it, but it does come back later. Yeah, and then it just starts leak, like it just explodes, fucking Kool Aid from the walls in great quantities. Yeah, except and then it starts coming out of all of the other walls yeah. and just drenching him. Yeah, it's so much blood. He like slips on it and hits the ground. It's. I'm, I wonder if that was intentional. It's like or not. the most blood. It's kind of awesome how much it is. Yeah, and then it turns black and sucks itself back in. Making, it's so weird. Making Ash look even worse in this situation. Yeah, because he's covered in blood, brandishing yeah. a gun. At this point, this, this this man has lost a hand, and he's getting tortured by an unknown evil source, and he has lost his fucking mind. And to make matters worse, he just goes to sit down on a chair, and it breaks on him. <laughs> he just can't have anything go wah, right. Wah. And then the whole house laughs at him, including the deer head, which is yeah. like evil and shit. The deer head, like, like it's dead-eyed. 
and starts laughing at him. And the whole house, yeah, everything in the house starts laughing at him. And then he starts laughing back at it. Yeah, and it's, like it's genuinely unhinged. This moment. yeah, the the lamp starts like swinging back and forth. I mean, he starts like following it, going up and down. Yeah, like this he like dances at it. in yeah. tune with the. <laughs> and it's this really great like Dutch tilt shot where he just like goes up and down, and like the the mo the fluidity of the movement is perfect. I love that shot so yeah. much. And also right, that shot where it's just the yeah, it goes right in his face, face and he just does there. like a crazy laugh and crosses his eyes and shit. Yeah, it's so great. I mean, he's genuinely unhinged as anyone would be in this insane situation. <laughs> Look at his facial expression is so good. Like Bruce Campbell pulls off Ash in like in like this manner so fucking good. He's yeah. so good at this shit. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love this so much. He <laughs> goes back and forth with the lamp. It's so good. Everything around the room's like swinging. Everything's laughing. The lamp's laughing at him. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, very quickly, Ash's laughter turns to crying. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts yelling <laughs> when he realizes what's going on. Mm. And he starts kind of, kind of collecting himself. And then he hears something at the door, and he just shoots. And I think he shot Annie, but like barely. It probably he shot just Bobby her. Joe in the arm. Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. He grazed her arm with the shotgun. Oh, it's Bobby Joe. Okay, right. Bobby Not Joe. Annie. Okay. I Annie, forgot. Yeah, hold well, uh, Annie's boyfriend kicks in the door, beats the shit out of him that Jake does too. Yes. And they subdue him and they knock him out and then they're like, we're going to throw him in the cellar, which is the great not bum, evil bum, dead bum. one. Gotta yeah. love that shit. But then it turns out that the cellar is a little, is nefarious in this movie too, but for different reasons. Has a little present. Yes. So they're kind of suggesting, like, what the fuck's going on here? What, who is this dude? Did he kill my parents? Like, right. Um, so you get, and so then uh, Annie, like, discovers the, the tape recorder sitting there, and she starts playing in. Yeah. And, it's, and, like, literally while Ash is in the cellar and looking around, he hears the recording, and it's the dude saying he killed his wife when she turned into a deadite. Locked her in the and cellar. And locked her in the cellar, buried her in the cellar, and then just on cue... Blah! Henrietta's back. <laughs> yep. He's like, she says, someone's in my fruit cellar. She's great. So, Next um, we get the iconic, I'll swallow your soul. So, Ted Raimi plays Henrietta here. Uh, he got to be a character in the movie <laughs> as opposed to just, you know, a stand-in for various little moments. Yeah. However, um, you know, while the production of this movie as a whole went way smoother than Evil Dead 1... As it would. Ted Raimi got the worst of it. Uh Uh-oh. So, he's playing the Deadite Henrietta. He's wearing a large, full-body latex costume during his entire performance. right. And that shit... Was hot as hell. I can imagine. It looks heavy. Ted is being constantly overheated, overheated, and he's pouring out literal liters of sweat. Uh, you. Greg Nicotero recalls pouring tons of Ted Raimi sweat out of the costume into Dixie cups to remove it from the outfit for when they had to film. And that is fucking disgusting. Uh Now couple this with the cellar set, which like eventually in the scene, Ash begs to be let out of the cellar and they do, but then, you know, Deadite Henrietta is now in the cellar and banging up and down 
like uh, the zomb- the dead-eyedified um, other girl was in the first movie. Yeah. So there wasn't a real seller on this cabin set. It's just a hole in the floor oh, that, makes that it doesn't worse. go down very much at all. So it's just Ted Raimi <laughs> crouched down in a hole in, in a tight little space overheating already in the costume and now he has to have a fucking he's like in the floor <laughs> like oh, God. he's just dying the whole movie I'm sure he was very thankful that like when Raimi used him in the Spider-Man films he got to just be J. Jonah Jameson's crony yeah. and didn't have to you know wear nine pounds of shit uh, <laughs> so that's happening the whole movie Yep, and so so yeah, Ash realizes what's going on. He sees her, and he's trying to get the hell out. He's like, let me out, let me out. She's approaching him, and they're trying to let him out. And finally, they, they eventually get him. Yeah, they pu- the dude pulls him out by his head. Yeah. <laughs> and then he then like she tries to get out, and he stomps on on uh, on her face, and it shoots her eye out, and Bobby Joe swallows it. Yeah. It's disgusting. Uh, oh god! It, it plays a swallowing sound too. Yeah, it's like really, really gross. Yeah. And they eventually get her locked up. Keep like it, just like in the first movie, like, they're putting pressure on the cellar door and just rumbling back and forth and mm-hmm. shit. A lot of a lot of callbacks to the first one after it like whizzes through its plot, <laughs> and then somehow, not exactly sure when it happened, but Annie's boyfriend deadites. Yeah, I mean, like, the evil must have just, like, got in the house and, like, infected him. Like, I don't know how the evil dead stuff works necessarily, and I've watched all the movies several times now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So. There's no rhyme or reason to any of it. It's weird. It just happens. Which I'm cool with. I'm cool with in, like, this aspect of Evil Dead 2, where it's, like, everything's ridiculous anyway, so who gives a shit? Yeah, I think that's the best tone to have. Yeah. Uh, like, not quite horror, not quite comedy, a good in-between of both that kind of just exists in this not-so-serious campy realm that works really well in this movie's favor. Yeah, it's really, really fun. I love it. Ash runs away and shows back up with an axe and just chops him up into tiny pieces. Mm -hmm. And there's green blood that just goes everywhere. (laughs) Literally everywhere, uh, a comical amount. It it cuts over to the deer head, and the deer head is getting covered. I'm glad it just keeps referencing back to that thing. Yeah, I'm glad there's a lot of shots at one point. Yeah, <laughs> it's good shit. So, um, well, now we have our four main characters, kind of. Yep, this is like the the cast of the rest of the film here. Yeah. Then he hears they hear something rumbling inside the house, and like, what the fuck? And it like shakes the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, it's going all over the place. And Ash and Annie go and check it out. And they find out that it's the spirit of Annie's dad. Yeah, I forgot this part happened. That's just weird. I don't feel like this is necessary. No, it's like a weird explanation moment of, like, what they're supposed to do. Yeah, it's basically just him telling her that, like, the secret to figuring this out is to look at the pages you brought. Which, like, no shit. Right. (laughs) 
There's some kind of spell in it, and uh, obviously, like, the, the yeehaw man doesn't believe that they talked to a ghost in the kitchen or whatever, so... Like, they're kind of like, we need to, like, recite this shit in this book. We need to do that. But meanwhile, uh, I think Bobby Joe goes outside for some reason. Yeah, she gets spooked and she runs away. Yes. And she runs out into the woods. And then you get worried for a second because a tree grabs her. Yeah, I was worried we were going to get tree rape to electric boogaloo, and, and nobody wants that. But instead, we just get tree high-speed murder, which is fine. This is fun. Yeah, this the trees, fun. like, fucking wrap around her and make her go fucking Jamaican bobsledding through the fucking woods <laughs> at high speed. And and then she just fucking slams the fuck into a tree, but it doesn't show the impact. It just hard cuts to Bruce or, or one of the actors uh, cracking open the glass in the framed Necronomicon pages. Yeah, it's him like and sucking it to the ground. It's and such shattering. a good mash cut <laughs> where it's just like the crash is implied yeah. by a different action entirely. Now, Joe Bob here gets the gun, aims it at them, and is like, we're gonna go look for Bobby Joe. And fuck you guys. And he's like, these pages don't mean shit. He pushes them down into the cellar like a true fucking dick. Yeah, he throws them in the fucking cellar with the fucking monster thing. Great. Thanks, asshole. And yeah. forces them out in the woods to go look for shit. Yeah, and a fun little touch here. Um, as they're going out into the woods, all the trees have faces on them. Yep. Which is great. That's spooky. Just, it just intensifies how, like, a bad of an idea this is. Yeah, the for going sure. out there, Ash is like, you're going to get us killed, yeah, you like, fucking we, we can only go outside when it's daytime, like, you fucking idiot. Like, he even noticed that the path that they came in on, outside of the bridge path, is gone now. The woods swallowed the path up, so there is no escape. Yep, and then the, the evil warps on up. Mm-hmm. And then turns Ash again. Yeah, so he's evil now, and uh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, we did this for a few minutes in this movie now. Like, we get a long, long scene here of evil Deadite Ash trying to hunt Annie down. Yeah, I love the design of evil Bruce Campbell here. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. A lot of really nice makeup done on him, actually. It's, like, it yeah, looks great. It does. Um, the crazy thing... Is that, uh, I mean, I already knew that Army of Darkness follows this. Clearly they're not going to kill Ash. Clearly he's not going to be a deadite for long. But if he didn't know that, this shit's fucking crazy. And you don't know what the fuck's going to happen at this point. Yeah, and like, especially if you've watched other horror movies. I, I like this diversion here. Mm-hmm. If you've watched other movie, horror movies before, you're like, oh, okay, this is a Final Girl scenario. Yeah, sure. I'm like, huh. But it's not. But, but no, nah, Ash is the Final Girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His name's even Ashley. See, they figured it out. <laughs> Chief, uh, any fear finds a ceremonial dagger. Oh, yeah, the, the Kandarian dagger or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, the obnoxiously large dagger with all the skulls on it yeah, in the sure. first movie. And she, uh... She gets spooked by something in the door that busts it open, and she just stabs it. And, uh, oops, she stabbed Jake. Yep. In the chest. Whoops! 
him and his girlfriend got inadvertently hurt in this movie. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Now, granted, that guy, like, you know, nothing of value was lost. No, because that guy was an asshole who was holding a gun on him and stuff anyway. And now he's pathetic. And he's like, Brock, we need a room. And she does, but it's, like, hard for her to do because he's a big fucking country bumpkin man. Right. So, like, and eventually we got... Yeah, he drags him a little too close to the cellar. Yes, and he gets grabbed and then, by and he's the Andy's mom. Yeah, Henrietta yeah. pops up and grabs him, drags him in, and as she's dragging him in, a comical amount of blood just starts squirting out. It's, she is eating him basically. Consume. This shit's great. It's, it's so everywhere. much blood again. <laughs> what I'm guessing they did is they put like a big old fucking pump in oh, that yeah. hole, uh-huh. and then he just started pumping it. Yeah. And I hope they they must have used a mannequin for the rest of his body. There's no way they did anything else. There's no way they shoved him in there while they were squirting all that shit out. Well, yeah, Ted Raimi could barely fit in that hole. I don't know what the fuck. Right. But yeah. Um. Anyway, Dead-Eyed Ash is coming too. Yep. And he tries to get her. Um. He finds the the locket thingy or the the the, the necklace that he had, that he gave that he Linda was too. he gave to his Linda too. Uh, it's the same thing from the first movie, the little uh, magnifying glass necklace thingy. Yep. Um, and he grabs it, and I guess the power of his memory helps bring him back from being a deadite. I guess. I think a lot of it, a lot of this has to do with like, so from what I can gather from this whole thing, right? The deadite is like a, like a corrupting power. Yeah. So I think that, like, Ash's experience with it probably has taught him to resist it a bit. And yeah, he's already why. been a Deadite before, and maybe right. he knows what it felt like before. Yeah. Maybe. So maybe just think along that lines where he's able to resist the power for the meantime. It's clear there's something wrong with him, and that's explored a little bit more in Army of Darkness, which is fun. Sure. But uh, the interesting thing would be, like, he comes out of it, and so... She's already been fucked with by Deadites, you know, like her fucking mom reverted back to being her mom briefly earlier in the movie. Yeah. So she's not trusting of Ash, even though he's saying he's all right. And she's trying to beat the shit out of him he's still. She's swing an axe at him. He's like, <laughs> he's he's like, like, wait, wait, wait. He's like, fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually he's able to convince her. And then they have their plan. They need to go get those pages. Yep. Then we get the best scene in this movie. And one of my favorite scenes... Ever, uh, period. Yeah. In cinema, yeah, it's iconic and redone to great effect in Army of Darkness. But this is the one that it's originally in. We get the setup of his hand chainsaw. Yeah, you get these super fast cuts of them getting all the tools set up, like super quick cuts going back and forth of them doing the work very quickly and setting it up. Him sticking his arm in the chainsaw, revving it, and then now you've got. Ash in his in his perfect form. Mm-hmm. You got the arm chainsaw and the boomstick. Yes. And then you get the iconic. He loads everything up, looks at the camera. Groovy. He saws off the barrel of the gun. That's very yeah. important. Yeah. And he says, "Groovy." <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> and Ash has officially has begun his transformation into an action hero in a horror movie. Yes. Um, he's the best. He raises the eyebrow. It's so good. It's like I don't know how uh, like prevalent the concept of the the main character in a horror movie being someone who is actually like formidable enough to fight the shit. 
yeah. was before Ash from Evil Dead. No, he's like one of the... He's got to be like one of the first. He at least very much popularized it. Yeah. Where like you had a, a lot of the time, especially in like slasher movies and stuff, like like Final Girls and stuff like that who were like capable enough to fight off the villain... Um, yeah, but never like too much. Like, right. everybody who beat the fuck out of Jason Voorhees was still vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and not to say that Ash couldn't be, because he takes a lot of fucking abuse in this movie. Tons. But, you know, he's very much the hero. Yeah. That's because he was uh, destined to be it. There's a brief moment early on in the movie we forgot to mention where they're looking over those ancient pages. And there's a prophecy that in the 1300s, this evil dead crap began, or something, and uh, some man showed up and saved them. Some man fell out of the, the, the hero fell out of the sky and saved them. Yes, and it's clearly Ash. Yeah, it's like so clearly and Ash. And he says, like, like, it says that, like, the evil eventually returned. And he says something like that he was like a bad hero or something. Yeah. He's like, wow, some hero. Like, wow, didn't do a good enough job. Didn't do a good enough job. And it's like clearly <laughs> him. <laughs> it's great. So anyway, they uh, they go into basement, the cellar or whatever. Yep, and they find the pages with uh, little to no issue. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, this, so, this isn't bad. Where's and Henrietta? Then, yeah, and then as soon as he gives her the pages... Henrietta shows up and starts beating the shit out of him. <laughs> pulls him through the stairs down there. Yeah. Throws him off to the other side of the wall. Yeah. They find the eaten skeleton as well. That's yep, pretty grody. the eaten skeleton of Jake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you tell because it's got the overalls and shit. <laughs> really funny. Yeah. And then she comes up out of the cellar and, like, transforms into this, like, horrible long-necked demon. Yeah. It's, uh... This was clearly the inspiration for, um... The uh, the boss in fucking Resident Evil Seven, yeah, Marguerite. Yep. You know, it took me a while to really realize that because I've I've never seen Evil Dead. Too, Resident Evil, Resident Evil Seven. Some two biggest influences are Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead Two. Yeah, it's clear. It's like abundantly clear. Yeah, that's why I love that well, game so much. Even the big face that ends up being the final creature that they're fighting at the end of this movie is very the last similar. Boss in Seven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. So it took a lot of influence from those two movies. Yes. Kind of like slapped them together. It works really well. You could combine them very well. Yeah. Uh, and also just like the sheer amount of blood and gore in Resident Evil Seven and, and the focus on chainsaws in one pivotal moment. Yeah. It reminds it's me a all... lot of this kind of shit. Yeah. It, it was clearly a love letter to it. Yes. The more ridiculous, like, crazy horror mm-hmm. that is, like, this movie and, like, the family in Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, for sure. So he gets attacked by Long Neck Demon. Ash over here. <laughs> that puppet is fucking awesome and crazy and creepy. That yeah. shit is so fucking cool. I love it. They did such a good job making that puppet. Yeah. I love it. And the way they're able to, like, twist the head back and forth and shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then, uh... He, uh, Annie distracts it by singing to to it, one of the songs that her mother used to sing to her. And then Ash catches her by surprise and chops her into pieces. Yeah. And she's done. And then they read the passage. And her, like, her withered head gets chopped off her neck, like, makes, like, a balloon deflating noise. Yes! God, there's some weird fucking noises in this movie. Yeah, and then the, the head's still going, and it starts chanting, I'll swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul. And you just, like... 
He says, swallow this and blows shotgun. her up with the fucking shotgun. <laughs> like Incredible. He smoke off and spins it around and puts it in. Like he's made the full transformation into ridiculous action hero, man. Yes. It's so funny. <laughs> I think this works even better with the context of the first one, too. Like, because it's a huge transition from the coward of the first movie to this. Yeah, to action hero, man. Yeah. It's a lot of character development. So she started reading the passage but didn't finish it. So yeah, she she read the passage that manifests the evil. It basically makes the evil a physical form instead of just the air. Yeah. <laughs> like the POV shots that we see of the evil. And uh, it, it becomes this big-ass face and also the trees are fucking coming and they're fucking beating in the fucking cabin and yeah. breaking the windows and shit's going off and yeah it's getting bad so he's like read this read the second line read the second line he's yeah just everything is just busting into the house and winds blowing super heavy just trying to knock him over yes and as she's reading the second lines the hand comes back and stabs and stabs her in the back with the ceremonial knife son of a bitch the hand was still around the whole time yep and so Ash is like oh good I'm fucked and a tree big tree hand comes in and grabs him so it's bringing him towards the monster so it can eat him. And then, but then she gets back up for one final breath here mm-hmm. to read those final lines as Ash is getting pulled towards this big demon head, which is great, by the way. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Actually, it's one of the best effects in the whole fucking movie, being able to fit this thing in the door. I wonder how they, like, filmed that to scale? I'm not sure. I just want to know how they did that, because, like, it's super cool. I love I love how it looks. Yeah, it's a fantastic effect. I, I don't know if they actually built a giant puppet or what, but uh I hope they did. It's so big that like it's hard to know if that would be the case. Right. So finally she pulls out the final lines and summons the portal and, and then dies from what yeah. you can gather. And then Ash strolls on up, revs the chainsaw and shoves it into the demon's eye. It starts leaking out like blue fluid. It's gross. It's delicious. And uh, it gets sucked into the past. Yep. Along, Along with, with Ash. Ash. Yep. And he's like, oh no. And then we get the great ending to this movie. He and his fucking DeSoto crash land in the 1300s, the Middle Ages, and a bunch of knights in armor That's come up. Good. And they think he's some kind of deadite, so they're going to kill him or something? Yeah, and then an actual flying deadite shows up. Yes. And then he just, like, gets up and boomsticks it. (laughs) The the flying thing looks cool as hell, by the way, but it's clearly just a stop-motion thing. Yeah, well, once again... superimposed in this segment here. You'll see a lot of that in Army of Darkness, by the way. And uh, Ash shoots the shit out of it with the boomstick, because now he's, like... I guess used to this fucking crazy shit He just happening. doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and now they are like, it is him, the prophesized hero that will save us from the deadites. And he's like, no! Nah! <laughs> <laughs> the reluctant talks. hero. I, I love it. Um, it kind of goes into, um, you know, I'm going to watch more of Ash versus Evil Dead, but it seems that his arc in that show is going to lean towards... He hasn't done heroing in 30 years, and he's okay with that. He's okay with just working at S-Smart. Yeah. And and just 
like hooking up at the bar every now and then because he can pretend that he lost the arm in the war or something. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's content with his life not hinging on him fighting deadites to save the world. Yeah. And when it comes crawling back, it takes him a while, like like throughout that first episode, for him to like truly embrace the role of a hero again. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I like that idea that he literally doesn't want to be the hero of this story. At yeah. all. No, he's tired. <laughs> By that point, he's tired of this shit. Yes, but he is. Yep. Because that's, that's how it goes. And we'll look back at that next week in Army of Darkness that continues directly off from I where that wait. ended. <laughs> now, now, you know, my opinion might change now that I'm an, I'm an older person who has a more of an appreciation for horror. Sure. But back then, Army of Darkness was my favorite in this trilogy. Um, I absolutely adore the abs- the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. The Evil Dead operates on, like, a dial, okay? Yeah. That goes, one side is horror, and the other side is slapstick comedy. Yeah. And it just... The first movie was turned all the way to horror. Right. The second one's, like, at that middle point, and then Army of Darkness is the other side of the dial. Yeah. It just turns into, like, pure comedy, basically, Mm -hmm. with light horror elements. (laughs) Yes. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I like the transition from horror... To half horror, half comedy, to just comedy. It's hilarious to me yeah, that great. it went that way. It's beautiful, honestly. So, uh, yeah. This film had a somewhat limited release due to its graphic nature, once again. Of course. Um, making it a subject of controversy and leading it to it being banned and slapped with an X rating and you know, all that kind of shit. But this didn't really stop it from being a success, really. Because it's Evil Dead 2. People liked Evil Dead 1. And then this one is, I think, even better. It's just Evil Dead 1 of better, ways. really. Uh, the film grossed $10.9 million against a $3.5 million budget. Raimi had a lot more money this time around. Yeah. But uh, it, I think it worked in them making a much cleaner, uh, crazier movie yeah. than the first one. Absolutely. Uh, the critical response was mostly positive. I saw a Roger Ebert review. He gave it uh, three out of four stars, and he said it was, quote, a fairly sophisticated satire that makes you want to get up and shuffle. Whatever that means, but thanks, Ebert. Anyway, <laughs> uh, now the legacy is an all-time horror comedy classic would, would come a little later after its release, like when these things really became cult movies. After Army of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, it's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think it deserves it. Oh, yeah. I don't know many people that dislike Evil Dead. No, it's it's few and far between. Evil Dead 2, at least. I, c- I could see some people not liking the first one because it's a little more stressful, I guess, I would say. I guess. Yeah. But, um... I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's any... I, I, I wouldn't fault someone for liking one better than two, but I clearly like two better than I one. I think Evil Dead 2 is a damn near perfect film. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's one of the one of the best movies we've watched on this show. It probably. It's in that, it's in that, would guarantee you it'll be in that, we make our list in episode 100, it'll be in that S tier. Yeah, Easy. I would have to say Easy. so. Yeah. It's gotta be up there. I think there's a surprising amount of stuff we watched on this show that are good. Yeah. But oddly enough, I think it's better content when the movie is bad. Because then we can be mad. 
I think it depends on what, what end of the spectrum it goes. Yeah. You never movie that's so good. Like, I think our Raiders of the Lost Ark episode is one of our weakest. Sure. Right? But where this one, I think we had a lot of great stuff to talk about in this episode, and I thought it was, this is a good one. Yeah, I There's think a lot of depends. really cool stuff. I yeah. got to gush about the special effects in this movie. Evil Dead 2 is the movie that got me interested in special effects in the first place. Yeah, um, I can see that. I watched I watched Army of Darkness when I was younger, and I absolutely adored it. And then my parents were like, that's the third Evil Dead movie. No, the third Evil what? And then, <laughs> yeah, because it's not called <laughs> Evil Dead at all. And then they, they showed me Evil Dead, and Evil Dead 2... It, like when I watched that shit, it like it sparked something in my brain where I was like, I want to know how that's done. And like no, and you know I've watched plenty of other horror movies before that point. Mm-hmm. The effects are so cool and interesting in this movie yeah. that it really, really got me interested. And I did. I spent many years after that point researching special effects and stuff. And I was ready to like maybe become a special effects artist at some point in my life. And then I transitioned off of that into video editing. Which is what I do now, mostly. Sure. Well, I mean, like, you know, I, I clearly this is a movie that probably inspired a lot of people in that regard. Mm-hmm. It had to have. This is a landmark oh, for special effects. Yeah. At least in horror. But, like, I think just in everything. Yeah, in everything. It's, no, it's, it's flat out. Across the board, it's impressive. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't look good anymore, but you'll have that. Look on at the time. Yeah, at the time, it was incredible. I love listening to my parents talk about... A lot of these older movies that we watch, mm-hmm. and like what they did, what like what what their reaction was when that stuff came out. Yeah, and my mom was a big like horror movie buff throughout her like entire like teenage years, coming to an adult. She loved horror movies. She was you know she like she like her her older brother snuck her in to see Halloween when she was a kid, and like uh. and like she she absolutely fell in love with all of it despite it giving her nightmares. <laughs> and understandable. Yeah, and so like. Like her talking about like, like, like the general reaction to everything that was happening, how people felt about those movies at the time is really cool. Like Evil Dead, for example, um, Evil Dead Two. Um, people, a lot of what people talked about with that movie, like the people who got to see it, was the special effects. Yeah, and how crazy everything looked, which is incredible. Yeah, and I'm glad it was because Remy needed another. <laughs> yeah, he <point>. did. <laughs> like, he got one. <laughs> He did, and he was able to make uh, a lot of movies after that. Um, Including the Evil Dead sequel he wanted to make. Yes, which uh, I'm glad he did. Although I think, I think I'm think i going to end up saying that this is the best of the bunch. We'll see. When we're all, when we're all said and done. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I, we'll see. I think, it, at the very least, I think Army of Darkness <laughs> is about just as good. Just in a different way. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. I saw it when I was a kid, so we'll see. It's been a while since I rewatched Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the, the greatest horror comedy of all time. Easy. There's not many of them, so no. better than scary movie. <laughs> oh, fucking! <laughs> it's a complete other fucking kind of movie. Yeah, that's just a comedy Fuck movie. That movie that yeah. uses that uses horror movies as a template. That's an attempt to be like an airplane humor kind of movie, and it just fails. You need to know what you're doing to make that kind of movie. You can't just slapdash a bunch of references together and be like, "Remember the Was Up commercials? Was Up? No, you don't." And now that movie's dated. Yep. Instantly. <laughs> Takes a good year for those movies to become fucking dated. Why the fuck would you make a joke about a commercial? At least a movie, like, there's a chance that people, like, like if you parody, like, I don't know, The Avengers, like, that's still a huge movie that people still talk about, so, like... 
It's the same thing. It's like, a little better than it was the, the same thing. In, like a lot of the uh, a lot of the comedies of that time, like parodying stuff like Casablanca and shit. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, sure. Like they, everybody knows what that movie is. Yeah. And then you just like so that's what you parodied. You parodied like that's you want to parody like big pop culture events. Because yeah, they, things that you think will stand the test of time. Yeah, that the majority not the WhatsApp commercial. Nobody gives a shit about that. <laughs> Your parody commercial, parody Dunkachino, man, that shit lives on forever. That's in a movie, by the way. No, <laughs> so it is gonna live forever. What's my name? Dunkachino. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Ugh. It's like the worst thing ever made. It's so funny, but it's like the best thing that's ever been ever made. I don't know. Oh, all right, so tune in next week where we watch Dunkachino. Yeah, Dunkachino. Army of Dunkachino. Army of Dunkachino. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine, like, looped over like 250 times together. What's my name? And it just, like, echoes 250 fucking times because it's an army of them. <laughs> Drop an atom bomb on that shit. Get the fuck out Come of here. Come and buy some donut holes. Do it now or I'll swallow your souls. <laughs> 